0: Today on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's in the book of Mark, chapter 7, verse 4, with part two of a message titled, From the Inside Out. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. And they had a certain way that they would wash their hands, and they they had to use a certain amount of water, it had to be one and a half eggshells worth, and they would wash their hands and they, they let the water run down, and kind of run down their wrists, and they had to be careful to make fists and let it fall off, because if it ran back down their fingers, then they were defiled again. Some of the rabbis taught that when you went to sleep at night, a demon with a weird-sounding name got onto your hands at night. And so if you woke up in the morning and you had your breakfast and you didn't ceremonially... Now, I'm not talking... I know some of you guys are germaphobes. How many of you are germaphobes? Raise your hand. How many of you don't want to admit it? All right? So you go, you know... My mother's like this. My mother has impressed this upon me. It's dirty. She wipes things down, phones and everything, door handles. So I've picked up some of this now. You know, how many of you, you leave the restroom and you take the little thing, you know, the little towel, use that on the door, look around, (laughs) make sure nobody thinks you're a total freak. But that's not what we're talking about here. You should wash your hands. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Isn't, is that a Bible verse? No. But anyway, but I still think it's true. <laughs> you should wash your hands, but that's not what this is about. This was not about washing your hands, you know, with a little soap and doing the ABC song so you've done it long enough, okay? This was about being ceremonially clean, and so they had all these rules and regulations, in fact, verse 4 says, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves, and there are many other things, Mark speaking now, or at least Peter's thoughts are behind Mark's gospel, which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots, and they had this whole regiment. In fact, the Mishnah has uh, 35 pages devoted to the washing of vessels and daily implements. If you're wondering about the Mishnah, it's just a simp- simply a collection of Jewish oral tradition from the rabbis that was then put into a book. And so they, they followed this. And the tradition of the elders became so important to the religious elite that it began to be elevated above the word of God. This happened in denominations. It's happened in some world religions where all of a sudden you start to interact with people and. You find out what they believe, and you start to press them on what they believe, and they can't find a Bible verse to support what they believe, but they say the church teaches this. And so now, if you show them a Bible verse that says the opposite of what that church may teach, there's a bit of a dilemma. And here's what the dilemma is. I think it's obvious. Which one are you going to believe? If the tradition of the elders is contradictory to the word of God, which word will you trust? That's why the Bible has to become your final authority in faith and practice. That was the cry of the Reformation. That's the cry of the Protestant Reformation. The cry of, hopefully, evangelicalism is to let the Bible decide how you're going to live and what you're going to do. And so... This is what they did. In fact, some scholars believe that when you have the ideas of washings here and cleansing themselves in verses three and four, it has more to do than just washing your hands the right way. It has to do with even taking a bath. So you can imagine that people who were this meticulous about washing, I'm sure that they had the microscope on many other people. And it became now just about all the Jewish people had to do this now, just not the religious elite everybody. So the religious elite came from Jerusalem. They saw the disciples not doing it the right way, and this was their focus. Never mind that thousands of people are getting healed. Never mind that it's clear that Jesus is the Messiah. No one spoke like he did. No one could do the works that he did. Never mind that stuff. You guys aren't cleansing yourselves the right way. Now, I don't want to put them down and go be too harsh on these guys because even in the Maccabean period, between the two Testaments, there were good Jewish men who died uh, because they did not want to, for example, eat swine's flesh. And they died at the hands of some terrible men. I'm not mocking everything they believed, but what I am saying is that they took it too far. They took it to an unbiblical extreme. And all of a sudden, people were trapped in this legalism that wasn't even from God. And here they come, Traditions are a funny thing. Bayer Corporation stopped putting the cotton wads in their genuine Bayer bottles. The company realized the aspirin would hold up just fine without the maddening white clumps, <laughs> which it had included in their bottles since about 1914. You ever had a headache and tried to get it into that bottle, and you're like, what in the world? Why do they stuff all this stuff in there?" We concluded, I'm quoting, there really wasn't any reason to keep the cotton except tradition, said Chris Allen, Bayer's vice president of technical operations. Besides, he said, it's hard to get out. (laughs) Tradition, right? How many things do we do for tradition's sake? Now, some traditions are wonderful. They're good. There's nothing wrong with them. But if your tradition begins to be elevated above knowing God, it's certainly a problem by the time of Christ uh, this became a firmly entrenched requirement for all who wanted to be clean and so there were there were these pots you remember when Jesus turned the water into wine they had these water pots everywhere so everybody could do the ceremonial cleansing before they ate and it became can you imagine the line at the at the pots you think the lines at restrooms are bad and then everybody had to do it the right way and hope that the water didn't drip back down on their hands, like, come on, right? This is, this is how they lived. And so they come down to Jesus and they start accusing his apostles, verse six, and he said to them, you gotta love, Jesus is very politically correct here. He said, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you Now, when he first said that, maybe the religious leaders were thinking, oh great, he's gonna apply an Old Testament prophecy to us. But hold on, boys. (laughs) Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Ouch. The word hypocrite means actor or phony. He says, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but what? Their heart is far away from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines, the precepts of men. this uh, quotation is from Isaiah 29:13. "Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men." Now with that background in mind, you can see why Jesus was so strong. In his words, people were under this weight of legalism. They couldn't even move on the Sabbath day. They had to go through all these ceremonies. And Jesus arrives and says, Boys, you are a bunch of hypocrites. Instead of looking at the beauty of the work that's been going on, all you can do is focus on your little legalistic requirement. You're hypocrites. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far away. Now, before we point a bony, righteous finger at these guys, we realize this can happen to any of us, right? I mean, we can put on a show, as I mentioned in the introduction to the message. We can fool people. And Jesus nailed them. He said, your hearts are the problem. I want to take you back to this quotation. It's found in Isaiah 29. So go to the book of Isaiah, if you would. Isaiah 29. It's always interesting to look at Quotations and see their context. And Israel is being addressed in Isaiah 29. And let's pick it up at verse nine. Isaiah 29, verse nine. It says, be delayed and wait. Blind yourselves and be blind. They become drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, Isaiah 29, nine, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured over you a spirit of deep sleep. He has shut your eyes, the prophet's, he has covered your heads, the seers, Isaiah 29:11. The entire vision shall be to you like the words of a sealed book, which when they give it to the one who is literate, saying, "Please read, read this," he will say, "I cannot, for it is sealed." Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, verse 12, saying, "Please read this, and he will say, "I cannot read." Then the Lord said, "Because this people draw nearer with their words and honor me with their lip service. But they remove their hearts far from me, twenty nine thirteen Isaiah. And their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous. And the wisdom of their wise men shall perish. The discernment of their discerning men shall be concealed. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and whose deeds are done in a dark place. And they say, who sees us? Or who knows us? You turn things around, says the Lord. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made should say to its maker, he did not make me. Or what is formed say to him who formed it? He has no understanding. I mean, think about it. The one who is the master potter who formed these guys, the clay is telling them how life is and reality. And they're saying, oh, you know nothing. The clay saying to the potter, I don't know what clay sounds like, but I don't think so. <laughs> Why did you make me this way? The, the Bible became a sealed book even to the religious leadership. Back to Mark, I apologize for that voice of clay. But anyway, so get this. I did some research on Bible statistics in our world Here's some quick statistics about the word of God. Almost 1 in 5 churchgoers say they never read their Bible at all. Only 45% of regular church attenders read their Bible more than once a week. More than half of evangelicals believe the Holy Spirit is a force and not a personal be- being. The problem is that's what Jehovah's Witnesses believe. 20%, 27% of British parents think Superman might be a biblical story. Do you know what's happened in Europe, folks? Christianity is almost dead in Europe. Churches have become mosques and places for other activities. 40% of American Christians believe that the Book of Mormon, the Quran, and the Bible all express the same spiritual truths. LifeWay research found that while 67% of Americans believe that heaven is a real place, 45% believe there are many ways to get there including one in five evangelical Christians. And on and on it goes. Do you want to be able to defend your faith, what you believe in, why you believe it? We've tackled subjects like Jehovah's Witnesses, the origins of Christmas. In honor of the 500th year of the Reformation, we did a two-part message on Sola Scriptura. Is the Bible alone sufficient? Is it our highest authority? Scientology intriguing topics that are available on the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. There'll be more to come, more exciting things to come. And they had a certain way that they would wash their hands and they they had to use a certain amount of water. It had to be one and a half eggshells worth. And they would wash their hands and they let the water run down and kind of run down their wrists. And they had to be careful to make fists and let it fall off because if it ran back down their fingers, then they were defiled again. Some of the rabbis taught that when you went to sleep at night, a demon with a weird-sounding name got onto your hands at night. And so if you woke up in the morning and you had your breakfast and you didn't ceremonially... Now, I'm not talking... I know some of you guys are germaphobes. How many of you are germaphobes? Raise your hand. How many of you don't want to admit it? All right? So you go, you know... My mother's like this. My mother has impressed this upon me. It's dirty. She wipes things down, phones and everything. Door handles. So I've picked up some of this now. You know, how many of you, you leave the restroom and you take the little thing, you know, the little towel, use that on the door, look around, (laughs) make sure nobody thinks you're a total freak. But that's not what we're talking about here. You should wash your hands. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Isn't, is that a Bible verse? No. But anyway, but I still think it's true. <laughs> you should wash your hands, but that's not what this is about. This was not about washing your hands, you know, with a little soap and doing the ABC song so you've done it long enough, okay? This was about being ceremonially clean, And so they had all these rules and regulations. In fact, verse four says, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things, Mark speaking now, or at least Peter's thoughts are behind Mark's gospel, which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. And they had this whole regiment. In fact, the Mishnah has uh, 35 pages devoted to the washing of vessels and daily implements. If you're wondering about the Mishnah, it's just a simp- simply a collection of Jewish oral tradition from the rabbis that was then put into a book. And so they, they followed this. And the tradition of the elders became so important to the religious elite that it began to be elevated above the word of God. This happened in denominations. It's happened in some world religions where all of a sudden you start to interact with people and you find out what they believe and you start to press them on what they believe and they can't find a Bible verse to support what they believe, but they say the church teaches this. And so now, if you show them a Bible verse that says the opposite of what that church may teach, there's a bit of a dilemma. And here's what the dilemma is. I think it's obvious. Which one are you gonna believe? If the tradition of the elders is contradictory to the word of God, which word will you trust? That's why the Bible has to become your final authority in faith and practice. That was the cry of the Reformation. That's the cry of the Protestant Reformation. The cry of, hopefully, evangelicalism is to let the Bible decide how you're going to live and what you're going to do. And so... This is what they did. In fact, some scholars believe that when you have the ideas of washings here and cleansing themselves in verses three and four, it has more to do than just washing your hands the right way. It has to do with even taking a bath. So you can imagine that people who were this meticulous about washing, I'm sure that they had the microscope on many other people. And it became now just about all the Jewish people had to do this now, just not the religious elite everybody. Everybody. So the religious elite came from Jerusalem. They saw the disciples not doing it the right way, and this was their focus. Never mind that thousands of people are getting healed. Never mind that it's clear that Jesus is the Messiah. No one spoke like he did. No one could do the works that he did. Never mind that stuff. You guys aren't cleansing yourselves the right way. Now, I don't want to put them down and go be too harsh on these guys because even in the Maccabean period, between the two Testaments, there were good Jewish men who died uh, because they did not want to, for example, eat swine's flesh. And they died at the hands of some terrible men. I'm not mocking everything they believed, but what I am saying is that they took it too far. They took it to an unbiblical extreme. And all of a sudden, people were trapped in this legalism that wasn't even from God. And here they come, Traditions are a funny thing. Bayer Corporation stopped putting the cotton wads in their genuine Bayer bottles. The company realized the aspirin would hold up just fine without the maddening white clumps, <laughs> which it had included in their bottles since about 1914. You ever had a headache and tried to get it into that bottle, and you're like, what in the world? Why do they stuff all this stuff in there?" We concluded, I'm quoting, there really wasn't any reason to keep the cotton except tradition, said Chris Allen, Bayer's vice president of technical operations. Besides, he said, it's hard to get out. (laughs) Tradition, right? How many things do we do for tradition's sake? Now, some traditions are wonderful. They're good. There's nothing wrong with them. But if your tradition begins to be elevated above knowing God, it's certainly a problem. By the time of Christ, uh, this became a firmly entrenched requirement for all who wanted to be clean. And so there were, there were these pots. You remember when Jesus turned the water into wine? They had these water pots everywhere so everybody could do the ceremonial cleansing before they ate. And it became, can you imagine the line at the, at the pots? You think the lines at restrooms are bad. And then everybody had to do it the right way and hope that the water didn't drip back down on their hands come on, right? This is, this is how they lived. And so they come down to Jesus, and they start accusing his apostles, verse six, and he said to them, you gotta love, Jesus is very politically correct here. He said, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. Now, when he first said that, maybe the religious leaders were thinking, oh great, he's gonna apply Old Testament prophecy to us. But hold on, boys. <laughs> Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, ouch. The word hypocrite means actor or phony. He says, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but what? Their heart is far away from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. This uh, quotation is from Isaiah 29, 13, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Now, with that background in mind, you can see why Jesus was so strong in his words. People were under this weight of legalism. They couldn't even move on the Sabbath day. They had to go through all these ceremonies. And Jesus arrives and says, boys, you are a bunch of hypocrites, Instead of looking at the beauty of the work that's been going on, all you can do is focus on your little legalistic requirement. You're hypocrites. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far away. Now, before we point a bony, righteous finger at these guys, we realize this can happen to any of us, right? I mean, we can put on a show, as I mentioned in the introduction to the message. We can fool people. And Jesus nailed them. He said, your hearts are the problem. I wanna take you back to this quotation. It's found in Isaiah 29. So go to the book of Isaiah, if you would, Isaiah 29. It's always interesting to look at quotations and see their context. And Israel is being addressed in Isaiah 29. And let's pick it up at verse nine. Isaiah 29, verse nine. It says, be delayed and wait. Blind yourselves and be blind. They become drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, Isaiah 29, 9, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured over you a spirit of deep sleep. He has shut your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers, Isaiah twenty nine eleven. The entire vision shall be to you like the words of a sealed book, which when they give it to the one who is literate, saying, please read, read this, he will say, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, verse 12, saying, please read this, and he will say, I cannot read. Then the Lord said, because this people draw nearer with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, Twenty nine, thirteen, Isaiah, and their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish the discernment of their discerning men shall be concealed. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord, and whose deeds are done in a dark place, and they say, Who sees us? or Who knows us? You turn things around, says the Lord. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made should say to its maker, He did not make me, or what is formed say to him who formed it, He has no understanding? I mean, think about it, the one who is the master potter who formed these guys, the clay is telling them how life is and reality, and they're saying, oh, you know nothing. The clay is saying to the potter, I don't know what clay sounds like, but I don't think so. <laughs> Why did you make me this way? The, the Bible became a sealed book even to the religious leadership. Back to Mark, I apologize for that voice of Clay. But anyway, so get this, I did some research on Bible statistics in our world. Here's some quick statistics about the word of God. Almost one in five churchgoers say they never read their Bible at all. Only 45% of regular church attenders read their Bible more than once a week. More than half of evangelicals believe the Holy Spirit is a force and not a personal be- being. The problem is that's what Jehovah's Witnesses believe. 20%, 27% of British parents think Superman might be a biblical story. <laughs> Do you know what's happened in Europe, folks? Christianity is almost dead in Europe. Churches have become mosques and places for other activities 40% of American Christians believe that the Book of Mormon, the Quran, and the Bible all expra- express the same spiritual truths. LifeWay research found that while 67% of Americans believe that heaven is a real place, 45% believe there are many ways to get there, including one in five evangelical Christians. And on and on it goes. The Pharisees tended to look at everything on the outside and Jesus was more concerned about the heart he said you clean the outside of the cup and dish and oh it looks good on the outside but the inside it's defiled you could paint the tombs but inside they're full of dead men's bones see this was the practice of the religious elite of the the day and not all of them because some of them ended up coming to Jesus but some of them were so concerned about the outside they never took care of the inside and if you don't take care of the inside if you don't take care of your soul What will it profit you, Jesus said, if you gain the whole world? Not just a city block, not if you could afford to buy your own island, which sounds pretty cool. If you could gain the whole world but forfeited your soul, it would not be worth it. Take care of your soul first. Do you know Christ? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Now's the time. Do you truly know him? Have you been born again to that living hope? Take care of the inside. Maybe you've been listening to Christian radio for a while and you have not made it official yet, but you know deep in your soul that Christ is the Messiah, that he is Lord and Savior. Receive him now. Lord Jesus, cry out, come into my life. I believe that you are God in human flesh. I believe that you came to save me. I believe in your death on the cross. I believe in your resurrection from the dead. And I'm going to put my trust in you and you alone for my salvation right now. I repent of my sin, pray it. And I turn to you, be my Lord and be my savior. Maybe you're a prodigal. Maybe you've been so concerned about the outside and so concerned about pleasing people and looking good that you've lost the inside. man. your heart is far from God. Oh, you make a profession with your lips, but your heart's far from him. Get your heart back right. Just say, Lord, take my heart and seal it. I'm prone to wander. I I feel it, but I want to come back to my first love. This year, I want to make that a priority that you are my first love. Just come back to him and come back now. Don't put it off. If you've been dabbling with sin and you think, man, I think I can get away with this. (laughs) You're not. Your sin will find you out. Get back to God. Get back to your first priorities. Get back to your first love. So, hey, if we can help you in any way, reach out to us through the website and uh, tell a friend about what you're hearing on the broadcast. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll catch you next time on the broadcast on behalf of Andy Chapel and Oscar Santa Cruz. This is Pastor Michael. See you next time on Walk in Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.